Today's show is brought to you by Bogart Extractors, an industry leader in hydrocarbon extraction. Over the last decade, Bogart has implemented many new technologies, which have helped to revolutionize the way hydrocarbon extractions are performed. Each unit is made with sanitary stainless steel and is built and tested right here in the USA. Their certified system for use in licensed facility meet all NFPA and ASME standards and undergo peer-reviewed by third-party engineers to ensure facilities and its employees can operate safely. Beyond simply making a functional extractor, Bogart has many additional features which make extraction faster and more cost-effective compared to other manufacturers. These features include hydrocarbon failing films to supercharge evaporation rates, heavy-duty explosion-proof pumps for flammable liquids and vapors, industrial chillers capable of maintaining large tanks of solvent at temperatures below 60 Celsius. They also offer extensive tech support and consultation services. So whether you need to set up an extraction lab from scratch or you just need some replacement gaskets, Give them a call at 855-553-3887 or check out their website at www.bogart.com. Welcome to the Hep Show Deep Dive uh, my name is Mark Stelly. I'm the CEO of CanTrade and the host of The Hemp Show. Today, I've got on with me one of our team members, Franco Schmidt. I also have Joanna Nuding with Casually Baked and Monica Villapondo. Did I mess that up? Villapondo? You got it. Yes. I'm so bad. I'm so bad pronouncing last <laughs> no, names. No, you're good. <laughs> um, very, very stoked you, you ladies could jump on with us today. You know, I had Monica on the on the short version, our 15 minute segment for the hemp show. You had me and on there. I can't believe you already sorry. forgot that. I'm already, yeah, I'm already you messing are up. bad with names. Sorry, I had on Joanna <laughs> on the 15 minute segment where we talked about casually baked. We also talked about the the product line that you two ladies have been working on. Um, you know, 15 minutes wasn't enough to cover everything. And uh, I'm very excited to just take the conversation deeper. And I guess to kick things off, um, you know, on the 15 minute segment, Joanna, I gave, I gave the brief bio and introduction, but if you don't mind in your own words, I'd love to hear from you ladies, you know, about yourselves, where'd you get started in the, in the space? And ultimately, what are you, what are you doing now? All right. Do you want me to go first, Mon? Yeah. Kick it off my friend. All right. <clears throat> well, I am a cannabis lifestyle guide and host of casually baked the podcast I live in Oakland in the heart of the cannabis culture here, and I am on a mission to help spread the message of cannabis for wellness all across the land. And, <laughs> and everybody, this is, and everybody, this is Joanna speaking because she didn't say her name <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> yes. Um, my friends call me Joe, and I have um, been working in the cannabis space for the last five years and really just trying to fill that niche of cannabis education, and I do it in an edutainment format. I also use cannabis for chronic pain and inflammation. I use it for anxiety. And so that's one of the ways that um, MJ Skin, the, the brand, and MJ Relief, the product, was born, was through my own need of wanting a topical that delivered on a lot of different points. Like I would find something that 
actually worked, but it didn't smell good, or I hated the way it felt on my skin, or I would take it to a massage and my massage therapist would use damn near the whole container because it had no glide. So Monica, my lovely formulation scientist, bestie, I call her my cannabis soul sister. Um, I, Mm. I told her, okay, I need your help. We can do way better than this. And so four years ago, we created what is now MJ relief, but we did it for ourselves. We wanted something that would work for us. We batch produced it in our kitchen when we'd have girl time and we'd make it for our friends and family. And about four years later, it's like, okay, there's still nothing as good as this on the market. I just have to bite the bullet and get it done. Very cool. So Monica, how, how did, I mean, I actually, I know part of this story, uh, but if you don't mind, I mean, you're, you're obviously a doctor, you know, what's, what's your area of expertise. And then um, I heard it from Joanna the first time, but how'd you two get, get linked up? Oh, this is a, such a fun story. So my background is in pharmaceutical sciences. I have a PhD in that field. And my subject matter expertise is on formulations of drugs that don't dissolve in water. So for about the past uh, just over 10 years of pharmaceutics experience under my belt, uh, focusing um, on a variety of routes of uh, administration in the U.S. and Europe, um, and really honing in on such compounds. And and this is also uh, a challenge that we have in the cannabis space in that it doesn't dissolve in, in water quite well. And that will affect, um, say, the dosing, the consistency. It's why edibles take forever to hit you, why one time it hits you really hard, and sometimes it doesn't at all. Actually, Joanna and I have some fun stories when I got started <laughs> until my tolerance built up. But anyway, so that's so that was a direct um, fit for, for the cannabis space, um, given my pharmaceutics background. Now, the transition into natural um, plant-based medicine originally started just through my upbringing. Um, luckily, I've had my mom was was very focused on um, natural remedies and on more um, yeah healthy lifestyle. Um, but then that translated into uh, yoga uh, practice that I've been doing for about eighteen years now. I started my te- my first teacher training in two thousand and thirteen uh, when I was introduced into Ayurvedic medicine. I've also been consuming cannabis for, gosh, nearly 20 years now and uh, using it. Well, originally started in college to help with hangovers, but then realized that it helped with very bad period cramps and, and later turned out to be a support for endometriosis. Um, and so I use it for a variety of ailments, but it really wasn't until um, I met this beautiful human being in Bologna, Italy. I was doing a research uh, study abroad with, with a university. Um, when we happened to have shared the the same Airbnb uh, host over oh, time. So yeah, it was so awesome because I'd visited there a few times. Um, like I would do research for a month, leave, come back a month. And then throughout that period, Joanna had stayed with him for three months. They became friends. And then when I came back, she was already living there. And then we were just like instantaneous, like super, super close and, and great friends and has just been with me throughout every professional as a personal journey since then it's been quite an exciting road roller coaster throughout many countries and experiences that we've shared together and so basically when I uh, left the I was living in the United Kingdom um, last and then moved over to the Bay Area where I had also done my undergrad 
And um, Joanna was was living there and immediately uh, pulled me into the cannabis industry, kind of walking through what the state of the industry, what's going on. And and I was scared too. And I, I definitely like, what, you know, is it legal? Am I going to get in trouble? And, and back then, this was about end of 2015, beginning of 2016. So um, got a dispense, a, a medical card, went to the dispensaries and just saw such a need for yeah, better products. I immediately saw kind of where where this was going and, and what we could achieve. And so um, the this muscle rub was really the inception of, of what is now Via Innovations. It was the first product um, that I created. And it's crazy to think that it took so long to get it out into this world. But as entrepreneurs and life happens, you know, your your projects always fall under the wayside as you're trying to build your business. And so um, I would say Joanna and I have learned a lot of things along the way. And, and now it's just very exciting to get this, this product out in the world and especially um, through stories. And because it's been around for four years, we've given it to a lot of people. We've always asked for um, repates or, or refill orders and just hearing such amazing testimonials on it for a variety of indications. Um, and, and especially even from people who I just open it up and I'm using it and they don't even know me, they're strangers. A few times they're like, what is that smell? That smells amazing. So I'm really excited to be on the show and share a little bit more about this background story of what actually went into making this, um, product that you'll see now in this tube. That, that is a very cool story. I mean, it's, it's insane that you two met at an Airbnb and then just so happened to be all back in San Francisco <laughs> And then link back up and then you got your medical card. And I'm sure that was an interesting experience because I, I just remember mine, um, which I'll share for you real fast. So I just remember when uh, the first, so the doctor that I went, okay, actually real quick story. Sorry, I got a bunch of questions for you, but just spurred this. When I asked my doctor, I had just come off my fourth foot surgery and my doctor said, so I asked him for a medical cannabis card because I didn't want to use opiates anymore. And he said, um, sure, if you want clinically induced psychosis, or sorry, chemically induced psychosis. That was his response to me. And I was like, whoa, okay, I'll go find a new, I'll go find a new doctor to talk to. So I go, I go to this, I go to this other <laughs> random doctor. Yeah, I went on Google. I went on Google and found some random doctor who just, you know, slings medical cards, which was also a very weird experience. And then the first time I walked into his dispensary, not only was I, you know, very out of place, but I 90% sure they thought I was a cop, you know, guy, uh, clean cut buff guy walking into a, walking into a dispensary. I'm sure they didn't, they didn't see a lot of me in there. So yeah, especially it, with that mustache. <laughs> that I, I, didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't have the mustache at the time. I could, I can't grow facial hair anywhere, but here, I mean, here, maybe a little bit there, it gets patchy. But yeah, it was well, just a very... I have a beer tonic for you next. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I had a funny story about that. I don't know if you've heard of Jeff Rose. Do I have it on me? Um, I had this, I got this beard cream at a, at a cannabis cup, like, I don't know, five years ago, which I've been, which I've been using. And I just so happened randomly was on a call and the guy's like, oh yeah, I make Jeff, Jeff Rose beard cream. And I'm like, wait, you mean this beard cream I've been using the last five years? <laughs> yeah, awesome. it was pretty funny. But so... So going back, um, you know, I'm sure that experience for you just going into your first dispensary, especially back in 2015, you said, right? It, yeah, it was beginning of 16. Yeah, right around then. I mean, up in San Francisco, um, the area was a little better as far as dispensaries and products um, than it was down here in Los Angeles area. 
but I'm, I'm guessing it was still pretty shaky, pretty shady. Cause some of those, some of those areas up there had already started their regulations via the cities. And I, I think it wasn't regulated back then. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. If you remember Joanna. Well, I mean, it was medically legal, but you could still, you know, back in 2014, you could get an edible that was still in a Ziploc baggie. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was at the counter. <laughs> I remember I'm, that. I'm, I'm more referring to, um, like, I know Oakland started their regulation stuff. I think it was in 2016. So that basically the city started putting in their own requirements prior to the state doing it. And I know that up north was kind of, leading the way up there when down south, I mean, all you needed to have was your nonprofit mutually beneficial uh, collective that you could then now open up your own cannabis business and wherever you want and sell, you know, stuff that you made or, or stuff that, that patients made in their kitchen, you know, so mm -hmm. that was those. Mm -hmm. And, and everybody has those crazy edible stories. Um, I've, I've got a few of my own. Those things are scary. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about, I caused a scene in it in Sicily. And oh no! <laughs> what is okay? Well, now, now, now you got to tell us about it. You got, you got to tell us about and, it. Oh my God, Joanna, you, uh, you start because I was out of it. I, I had my chemically induced psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can definitely no, that get was, that from one of those no, gnarly edibles. No, no, that was. <laughs> did you? Did you not? I, did you not have? Did you not have uh, any idea like what the milligramage was and? You know, I, I think, well, it was a, a sublingual. So the bioavailability was already quite high just by taking it that by that route. Um, Joanna, that was your buddy who brought that over. So you can maybe talk more about the dosing. Um, but I even remember you saying, I'll give you less because it is strong. And then I, I think it also had a, co a combination to do with just um, just being exhausted. I was actually escaped to Sicily because I was in the middle of writing my PhD thesis and I little needed a break. So between a little bit of sleep deprivation, sun, alcohol, well, no, there's a little, at that time I was sober. Um, and a little bit of uh, cannabis too, that, that kind of was the recipe. And I ended up, I ended up fainting too in I'm, out there. I want to interject <laughs> yeah. in here. Yeah, because so, there's different perspectives and memories to the story. Well, so I was like, <laughs> so one of the things is in Italy, people are really nervous about cannabis. Like people will smoke a spliff. They'll have their hashish. They'll add it and roll their own cigarettes and they do it that way. They thought I was the crazy American that was just smoking cannabis. Like that was crazy to my group of friends. So when we go to Sicily, I just traveled with my oil that a guy I'd been dating in California had sent to me. And so I had some, you know, Sonoma County cannabis oil that I had been consuming. And so that's what I brought. And I knew Monica didn't have a high tolerance for edibles. So I'd just given her a little bit, but we were out in the sun on the, you know, hanging out on the Mediterranean Sea, learning the art of doing nothing. And we didn't eat a bunch. We go clean up, we go to dinner and it's still hot as balls. And we crack <laughs> open some Prosecco and it was the addition of then introducing mm -hmm. alcohol into her system. And I think it's right around the time where it was going through that, you know, second phase of metabolizing through her liver. And so I just started watching her 
face. Like I could tell something was happening and her, her eyes rolled back in her head and her head kind of dipped back a few times. And our Italian friends didn't know what was going on because they didn't know that we were consuming cannabis. So they think she's joking around. And I'm like, no, we have a serious issue here, people. So it's super hot. I am trying to get her up and take her to a bathroom. Unfortunately, it's up a set of stairs and through a crowded outdoor restaurant full of people. And we don't even make it up three steps before she is just passing out. And I just hugged her and rolled over onto the stairs and like <laughs> laid her down next to me. And so then <laughs> that's like most days still. <laughs> and this was, and this was all from ingesting it, right? This is all yes. from, so, so by the, by the liver metabolism, you're talking about the Delta nine to 11 hydroxy scenario. When yeah. You eat, right. Yes. Yeah. I learned that, you know, I am some people you respond to different cannabinoids, in, in a different manner that depends on our, our endocannabinoid system uh, for, for myself and many other women that they've found in studies are a lot more sensitive to 11 hydroxy. And, and now, you know, it does take, it took some time and now I do handle edibles, but really to, to the audience out there that, that term start low and go slow is so true because you don't want to take too much by accident and then be completely turned off from it. And then, then you don't get any of the benefits. It's kind of like when all of a sudden you decide to, for the first time, drink an entire bottle of wine to yourself, and then you're sick, and then you don't like wine, but there's actually a lot of <laughs> taken in moderation and different types, it might respond differently. And so that's, I think that was a big, big lesson learned for me. So for a while, I was scared of edibles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still I'm still kind of scared of edibles. I have a very uh, low tolerance to 11 hydroxy as well. I mean, for me, a five or 10 milligram edible, I will feel it significantly. And I'm not going to dive too deep into my story, but I'll just give you a little synopsis of it. Um, I, I mean, I've got multiples of them, but one of the funnier ones is uh, it's nighttime. It's about, I don't know, about nine 30, 10 o'clock and I'm hungry. And I look into my, I look into my refrigerator and I see um, it was called a foo bar. It's supposed to be a thousand milligram bar, edible bar. And it was like a brownie cookie crunch just looked so amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm hungry. I'm, I'm not even looking for an edible. I'm like, oh, I'll just have a bite of this. It looks so <laughs> bomb. I have a bite of it. I go to sleep. I wake up like I'm Gumby. Like my body was Gumby. Like I woke up and I'm like a wiggly rubber band. Like I can't, I can't like function that next day. And I had to play in a beach football tournament. And so when I get to this beach football tournament, I can barely put one foot in front of the other. And I have like my, my sunglasses down. I'm like wobbly. And I usually am very talkative. I I'm the one on the beach football that would run the defense and the plays and stuff. And people are like, what's wrong with Mark today? You know, he's, and it, that, that lasted the entire day. So we're talking like I had it at night, went to sleep for eight hours, woke up the next day, had it the entire next day for a good, like 12 to 16 hours. 
And I was just so ready to be done that I did not have an edible again for like three, for like three years after that. When I looked back at the foo bar, the thousand milligram bar, my one bite was one quarter of the bar. So theoretically 250 mil, uh, uh, 250 milligrams, but in all reality, I have no clue if that bar was actually a thousand milligrams. This was back when you have no idea that thing could have been a 10,000 milligram bar, or it could have been a hundred milligrams. And I only had 50. I don't know. Um, but the interesting thing, even though I felt like Gumby, I could barely, my motor skills were horrendous. For some reason, I caught every pass and I scored like 10 touchdowns that day. <laughs> and, and, and it's all like a mind blur. It's like, I was in this weird, like wiggly realm. It was just alternate so universe. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm telling you, I felt like Gumby, like my body was just a wiggly rubber band. It, but yeah. So but um, mentally you were, it sounded like you were on point. You had a great, great game. <laughs> I, what I think happened is I think I was like hyper ultra hyper focused because I knew I was altered and that I was just like zoned in to the nth degree because my body wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. So I think my focus kind of overcame, um, you know, that, that too much cannabis that I had that day. Um, but yeah, that's just one of, of many stories, but yeah, I'm very, uh, susceptible to Delta or to 11 hydroxy. And I, I definitely am scared of edibles still to this day. I will have a teensy tiny edible and I will make sure that it is, it is what it says it is, you know, much before I start the, what they say, the, it's that, like that train wreck effect. Like by the time you feel it, if you feel it and you've already had too much, it's too late. Oh yeah. You know, now how long, how long did yours, how long did yours last? How long? I mean, I guess the positive part might be the fact that you got sleepy. Yeah, I went that and that night ended quite rather quickly after that okay. episode. <laughs> yeah, we I mean there was some there was some sitting there and like getting her together, like, do you know where you are? You know, getting the waiters bring us water. And I mean, she drank a few waters and we sat there for quite a while while everybody watched us. I was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter. We can sit here all night if you need to. <laughs> right. Well, that's but, awesome too. You had a you had a great friend, and it's those types of scenarios that bring people closer together. I mean, especially when when you're in an altered state and you need help, and you've got someone like Monica that knows what's going on that can can help you through that. That Joanna. Sorry, Joanna. <laughs> jo Joanna. <laughs> I'm gonna keep messing this up. It's I'm okay. just terrific. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> but that instance and like what you were talking about, those are the things that prompted me to start the edutainment piece because, you know, you don't know. And I have gotten more than Monica out of my friends into some sticky situations with cannabis because unlike y'all, I metabolize it very quickly. And I had my an epigenetic panel done on my endocannabinoid system. So I know that I have fewer CB1 receptors than most people. And so me knowing how it affects me and then seeing what I have accidentally done to, you know, mm -hmm. to other people, it was like, okay, this education piece is crucial for people to really take cannabis seriously as a wellness tool. Right. So question on that, on what you just mentioned, um, 
having fewer CB1 receptors, does that mean that your tolerance is going to be higher because you're not going to be able to take in as many yeah, or as much of the cannabinoids? Correct. And, you know, when somebody used to tell me like I, I was high for two days, I would just roll my eyes and think they were a drama queen. But by having it's, that it's process, all possible. well, by having that done, I learned that there are people that metabolize it so slow that they can keep it in their system for two and three days. But well, yeah, you also, I've, you also, sorry to cut you off, but you also hear about the people that, um, that do not get affected by edibles at all. Right. I mean, I everybody has one of those like people that. around them somewhere. Yes. Whenever I was, um, in Austin and I was experimenting with making my own cannabis oil and I was making edibles and, you know, for South by Southwest or ACL, I'd take orders. And I had this one guy friend that was like, I couldn't make the cookie strong enough for him, but then everybody else I'd sent them on a trip to the moon. And I'm like, I don't understand brother. I think you're broken. So <laughs> it, it's a real thing. Well, Franco raised his hand when I, when I said that. So Franco, tell us about your, your, uh, high tolerance to edibles. I can eat as many edibles as I'd like. Nothing happens. Um, even oils or, or tinctures, it just doesn't do anything unless um, like you do get those rosin in capsules, right? Because very, very sticky, sticky THC. I've, I've tried eating that. Nothing happens either. Um, but then I smoke it and then it's all good. That's a very okay. expensive problem to have. So you just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I've always equated this one to, I mean, obviously alcohol, right? It's, at least for me, I have a high, high threshold tolerance for alcohol. So it takes me quite a bit to even get a buzz. And I'm, I always say like, I would 10 X rather be a lightweight because it's cheap. You go to the bar, you get two beers, you get a little buzz as opposed to having to have like six to eight beers and get a buzz. Same, same premise with cannabis. I would much rather have a five milligram edible and, and be cruising as opposed to Franco who, can sit here and probably mm -hmm. eat a whole, you could eat a whole liter of distillate and be just fine. <laughs> well, <laughs> and recommend as, that. And for women, as we age, cannabis is <laughs> way friendlier to us than alcohol. I mean, now at 44, if I drink, you know, more than a glass and a half of wine, I wake up the next morning feeling like I drank the whole bottle. And so that's, you know, one of the things as an educator that I try to help these soccer moms who are like, oh my God, I, I feel terrible in the mornings. And I'm like, well, we need to teach you how to wean yourself off of alcohol and use cannabis as that wind down replacement tool. One, 100%. I, mm -hmm. I actually say the exact same thing all the time. Um, you know, anybody, people that I'm engaging with and it's like, you know, they're drinking, Hey, I'm going to have a bottle of, or I'm going to have a glass of whiskey, or I'm going to have three or four beers. At least for me, I do have that super sensitivity to like hangovers. Now I feel like in college like, to just drink for forever and no hangovers. Now it's like, like literally two beers. And even though I don't get, even though I don't get um, a buzz or intoxicated at all, I wake up the next day and I'm foggy and my body feels weird. And it's because I had something that my body doesn't agree with anymore. It's but, that damn sugar. It's sugar. Oh, the yeah. Devil. I, however, that's a totally different issue that I have because I have the worst mm. sweet tooth. 
Like, <laughs> I mean, I eat way too much candy. <laughs> I, I just, I got to cut that out. But, but either way, okay. So I want to, I want to shift gears <laughs> slightly um, and talk to you, Monica, um, about the formulation side of things because. One of the things I find really interesting with um, with the duo of you two is that we encounter so many people that have their experiences that have led them into this space and have basically have driven them to create product lines. However, one of the things that has, for the most part, been lacking is the the people's expertise on creating a quality product, quality formulation, and to really know what they're doing at a molecular level, you know, and Obviously, that dynamic between you two is very interesting because, you know, Joanna has this vast experience in the space. Um, and then you obviously have, you know, the PhD to help make the formulation happen and put together a killer product. So that was kind of more of a comment. But my my question here is, you know, what 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 kind of stuff did you do to dive into this formulation and really tweak it? And if there's any PhD knowledge you can throw on us, we'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I threw a lot at you there. Well, uh, no, no, this specific formulation, it was really a, a labor of love and the project with with my bestie. And it was and it occurred at a great time when I had just moved to the to California and kind of getting my life set up and didn't really have a, a day job. And, and so it, it's a combination of a big creative outlets. Um, I definitely consider myself a creative as much as a, a scientist and, 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 and like to incorporate that through, uh, for example, um, the type of herbs or, uh, that, that we would incorporate or the type of ingredients, um, the, the essential oils and looking at their terpene profiles in the essential oils and how they can be used to not only make it smell good, but also, uh, make it work. And uh, terpenes can also be used to enhance the penetration of, of compounds through the skin. They can also hinder it. So depending on which terpenes you select. So I went into that level of uh, what terpenes do I think would be best to, to get uh, CBD across the skin as well as the other ingredients. Um, what are the natural ingredients that have um, inherent in their composition um, penetrating um, uh, factors because if your skin is 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 built like a brick wall, it's incredibly difficult to get stuff through it um, unless it's designed that way. And 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 cannabis is not; it, it's a little bit too fatty to to really get it through. So we have to use other ingredients to help pull that. So it's through terpenes and essential oils, as well as um, say oleic acid concentrations and the carrier oils um, that went into it. Um, in addition to um, that it's the whole experience uh, that the consumer has. My biggest pet peeve, um, I'm seeing this less now in the cannabis space, but definitely in the beginning was with these topicals, you open you open up this jar and there's crystals and there's like hard stuff that forms. So that means it's separated. Mm. Um, and so I always, when I give some lectures, I do say, you know, top oil-based topicals are easy to make but they're difficult to make well. Actually, and that stands for probably most topicals. Once you include water and cannabis, it adds a little bit more complexity, but the majority of the topicals out there are oil-based formulations. Um, so that's with butters, waxes, um, various carrier oils, and of course, cannabis. Um, but when you see this, this, this separating, this, this crystallization, yes, it will remelt as you like mix it back in, 
Um, but that's an inherent to an instability of your product. So that, you know, we had those challenges too. So going into, okay, what's driving that force? What's the concentration? How do we prevent it and just make an overall more robust product? Because I think, especially back then where the maturity of the industry was, people were just happy to get weed products. They're like, awesome. We don't care if the packaging and the labeling and it's misspelled and it's all crooked. But if we were to go to an actual store, I would say I go to Macy's or Nordstrom's or, you know, or Sephora, the more mainstream shops, you go with a different eye. And if you open that up and you see crystal formations, there's going to be some complaints. So it's a matter of looking at that, like, how can we make these products a little bit different? And so um, that's a little bit of sort of the extra background and history that went into um, that product, as well as um, looking to uh, unique identifiers and, and, and what have what have been other ingredients used in, in, in history. So one of our key ingredients um, is Chamugra oil, um, which was used in Ayurveda medicine, and it used to treat uh, leprosy <laughs> and skin conditions. And so it was really um, adding a little bit of that now component and understanding um, the safety effects of that. Now, um, Chamugra cannot be ingested. So also looking at, is this ingredient safe for the topical applications at this concentration? And that's something that's not really being done um, too much in the in the cannabis industry because there are once you start going more into the um, water based technologies, um, a lot of these are uh, made with ingredients that can't be pulled in through the skin. They're actually designed for safety for oral, but not necessarily directly through the skin. So those are those are that's kind of a big area where uh, we focus on in addition with our general product development services at Via Innovations is to make sure that there's no ingredient mis- um, incompatibilities, even they're all natural, yet un- undesired reactions can occur um, throughout this process. So all of this has, all of these learnings from pharma were applied to develop this product with the added creativity and the understanding of natural medicines and then um, Joanna's very sensitive skin, which is a great uh, litmus test for for doing these mm-hmm. this product development. So that that was kind of the the makings of, of what what we have here today. The O Cannabis Conference and Expo returns to Toronto June first through the third, and there are still good booth locations available. This exciting event is free for cannabis retailers and will feature Tommy Chung receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award at the O'Cannabis Industry Awards. For more information about exhibiting or to register to attend, go to ocannabis.com. That's O-C-A-N-N-A-B-I-Z.com. Okay, so so let me, in my, in my dumb-dumb head over here, let me try to see if I can kind of regurgitate what you just said and... and you know, obviously I'm going to, I'm probably going to use some words that I'm misusing, but what you're talking about. So when it crystallizes, you're talking about really, it's not emulsified properly and it doesn't have some sort of agent in there, some ingredient that's keeping it stable. Right. And that emulsification, is that, is that proper? It could be, I wouldn't say necessarily emulsification wouldn't be the exact word, but what I mean is you might, it has to do with solubility. So really staying within the, the, the solubility limit of the ingredients. And so a lot of times with the, you see these hard crystal, these hard butters, crystal forms or little, yeah, they're essentially the, the butters when they're made and they're poured into the, the jar, they're 
they're molten and mixed in. And so they're, mm-hmm. and so there's more mobility. And so they set, but over time things will separate. It's think of the way that um, honey will crystallize over time sure. as well. You just kind of reheat it. It goes back in, but th- that'll take you know long, a while for that to do. But in this case, um, this product, it's just, it wasn't formulated to be within the solubility parameters in that formulation. So there's other ingredients that you would put in to enhance the solubility. Emulsifiers could be one, um, but there's other, or it could be a matter of tweaking the ratios of the formulation or adding another ingredient that will help make it a little bit that butter harder from crystallizing. So there's, there's different parameters that you'll, you'll play Mm -hmm. with there. So, so yeah. So with this, you're talking about like, you know, obviously water and oil don't mix and you have uh, what it's polar versus non-polar molecules or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you need some sort of, you know, something that's going to help to get that barrier. I, I'm at least for water solubility. Um, you know, I hear a lot about things like nano encapsulation, um, you know, things that help to take the cannabinoids and make them so that they are soluble in water, but it's only it's only achievable, right? If you have something that is basically that carrier, is that, is that correct? So we're, yeah. So we're kind of talking about two different things. So in the case okay. with um, this formulation with MJ skin, um, this is an oil-based formulation only there's no water and the majority of form topical salves on the market also do not contain water. They're, they're created with these oils and waxes and butters and from those, you this is where you see the majority of these hard um, crystals that form on the top. So that is just a matter of differences in solubility or, or it, incompatibilities between the oils and the fats and liquids. If we bring in the water com- part, if we wanted to make a water-based lotion, for example, there are a number of strategies that you can use to enhance the solubility of cannabinoids. So nano encapsulation is one, nano emulsification is one, nanofibers are one, non-nano or other strategies like as liposomes, I mean, (laughs) I am more nanos. The thing is, is that this is my world and this is kind Mm. of what I, this is what I studied in school uh, where we look in pharma, we really look at, okay, what is the the drug and the properties, where is it going in the body? What's the root administration? What, what are we trying to achieve the effect? And so we screen different technologies such as nanoemulsion, cyclodextrins to see what works best. So where the industry, the cannabis industry right now, they're so fixated on nanoemulsions and it's only one technology from a whole plethora of tools that are available to them. Um, nano is the part of nano emulsion or the lowest hanging fruit um, in terms of development, but you can always, uh, not to say that they're not sophisticated or hard, but they're not the holy grail or the way to go. There's there's a whole plethora of, of strategies to get to your end result. Um, and especially people think just be smaller, the smaller you go, the better. And that's not necessarily the case. It's always, there's a balance between a number of factors. And I, I just wrote a, a paper on it on uh, Via Innovation's website on nanotechnologies, going more in details around different ways to integrate water and cannabis together. And, and we, we, we go into like different strategies and examples of when one would be preferred over the other. And, and all of this, ultimately, um, you're talking about 
these different technologies and um, you know what they can what they can do and the nano emulsification and so on. But it comes down to I mean the main component here comes down to what's the best delivery mechanism, correct? As far as what makes the cannabinoids more bioavailable to um, the patient, whoever's using them for a certain ailment, you know, and, and whether that's a topical and it's it's penetrating the skin or an oral pill that you're um, you know or, or sublingual that you're that you're taking that you're then getting X amount, right? You're getting, let's just say, you know, 20% of it is bioavailable. That's not very good, right? So the goal is to get up to the cannabinoids being 100% bioavailable for that patient. Is that is that right? And well, Monica, you'd have to can, inject can you it in your skin. Say <laughs> that is anything ever a hundred percent bioavailable? Because people no. say that a no, lot. No, I was Monica, just giving, no, I was I was giving just, an example. I was just, I was saying that you'd have to inject it directly into your veins in order to get that hundred percent bioavailability. I'm, I have no <laughs> doubt that there's people that have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've done a re, I've done it. Not probably. suggested though. We're not suggesting that. <laughs> no, no. But that you can, to your point, you cannot. It, it is improving. The, the bioavailability that is ultimately the goal, but sometimes you don't necessarily want that. So in the case of say the muscle rub, we want localized relief. We don't need this going to your body. So if you want muscle recovery, apply it directly on. Now, if you were, someone comes to me and says, I'm dealing with this chronic pain, um, but I'm looking for something low dose, not to be too hindering. And then I would recommend like a transdermal patch. So it's going through the skin, it stays low concentration over time, and they're just getting this um, support for some chronic uh, relief. So that's in a case I would use very different technologies. Now, someone says, make me a a beverage that's sparkling, that has lemon and herbs, and it has to be all natural, um, or make me this, let's say, wellness shot that has a different form factor and a different indication, then I'm going to approach it entirely different, even though it's both a liquid-based drink that you swallow. And even within that same realm, let's say the example of uh, teas, um, within beverages, if you have like an herbal tea, uh, like a lemon tea versus a green tea, you're going to have very different pH concentrations. And so that will also affect your formulation, how it performs. So these companies that are selling you a ready-made solution saying it can go into anything, it's a very inaccurate and it's kind of an unsafe statement because um, if you put that one solution into one form factor versus another, say it's sparkling or still beverage or a pH of eight versus a pH of four, that's gonna perform very differently within that with that technology. Right. And actually that that reminds me, I, I've uh, so I started one of the things I started um, I the only reason I know a little bit about this is because I was trying to learn about it, but it would have been a hell of a lot faster if I had, you know, met someone like you or someone that has the knowledge and the background of yourself because is me trying to figure these things out on my own via Googling and, and forums online. Um, but yeah, I have a edible bar that I developed in the past. And one of the things I was always searching for was how to make the cannabinoids in that bar, you know, more bioavailable. I was always searching for say, like, you know, how do we make it water soluble things along those lines. And any company that I ever spoke to, they said they could do it. But then when I talked about my 
the process of making my bar, it just wouldn't work. It's like when my bar has to get heated to a certain point for um, the doughy material, when I use the binding agent and I caramelize it to then put the ingredients of the bar together, at that point, everything that would have been done with this nano encapsulated, you know, can uh, CBD would basically be irrelevant. So I was kind of, and then also one of the major issues is if I want to put X milligrams, and we'll just say I want to put 10 milligrams of CBD in this bar, I'm not just putting 10 milligrams of an ingredient. I'm putting like 30 milligrams, you know, 20 milligrams of something else, right? That other, that other ingredient that now needs to go on my bar's ingredient label. And that now I need to worry about, you know, what's this going to do? Like I am trying to have an all natural, you know, edible bar that's, that's extremely healthy, yet I've got some word I can't pronounce on it anymore. You know, so just some problems I've encountered in the past. (laughs) I can help you. And I can, that's, that's one thing. Well, that is an issue with the nano emulsions is because there, there is a certain, it's relying on a chemical stability and there's temperature considerations and and there's a little bit of water there. So it doesn't really um, work with, with definitely chocolate bars. Um, But we definitely, we have a solution that's all natural that can, that has high thermal stability that we can take on a separate discussion. Well, we, yes, we will, we will definitely (laughs) talk about that. Um, I actually, so I I partnered with a company in Los Angeles. So um, still those, those edible bars I've been working on for years and years, we had them out at one point, but then uh, there's just, it's just a long story that I don't want to dive into. But what I do want to do is I do want to ask you, um, uh, you and Joanna questions more about, so you mentioned, you know, certified yoga teacher. So obviously you're doing a lot more for your body, for your mind, um, you know, and, and keeping, keeping that healthy than say just utilizing cannabinoids and other things. Can you tell me about how, you know, that has kind of brought you into this space or how you utilize both? And, uh, and Joanna, I don't know, are you a, are you a yogi as well? I do daily stretching. I do not call myself a yogi. Monica is, she's the guru. I am the student. Ah, nice. I'm see, I'm not, I'm not certified (laughs) or anything, but I would consider myself a very terrible yogi as in I'm, I'm not very flexible, but I do love, I do love doing yoga and I actually miss it with, with the shutdowns and, and the whole COVID scenario. Cause I don't think the the studio that I went to, I don't know if they're even going to reopen. Well, and I just, I have done it more during COVID because I'm terrible. I don't want to go to a class around other people. So I've loved doing the video stuff online and making sure I get my, you know, at least 20 minutes, you know, five, six days a week. And I've noticed becoming way more flexible during COVID than before, (laughs) but that's because I'm embarrassed to do yoga in front of other people. Well, that's, that's that discipline. I don't have, I don't have that motivation anymore to do things on my own. Like I have to be, I have to go to a class and I have to be told what to do. I've, I've done it on my own for so long that I'm just like, um, I just want to check out mentally and I just want to basically do what you tell me. <laughs> there are some online classes. A lot of these studios have gone to online forums, which has been a good way to support the community too. And uh, other already existing subscription services, I've noticed they've expanded their their offering. But there's no such thing as a bad yogi. It's just you're bad at practicing it. And even if it's hey, 10 hey, minutes whoa, day, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Monica, you just said there's no such thing as a bad yogi, but you said you're bad at practicing it. No, just bad wouldn't at that, practicing it. Wouldn't that you're not theoretically practicing. make me a bad yogi? No. 
you're just fat. You're just not practicing. There's nothing to do with me. Yeah. Well, a bad yogi. Um, one of the, no. I, <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go for it. Oh, so what I was going to say is one of the things I, I wish I had done just, I know we're shifting gears a little bit to talking about yoga, um, but I wish I had done yoga. I mean, my entire sports career, I didn't start doing, I didn't start doing, I started doing um, Bikram back in, I want to say it was like 2008. Um, and that was toward the end of my college going into my professional football career. Uh, but I just instantly saw the benefits. I went from, and I'm still tight, but I went from like super tight, you know, need, need better mobility, and a whole different bunch of joints in my body to then the, like two weeks after doing Bikram, like three times, I was, I, my body felt great. I was flying around. I was super flexible. And then it just progressed from there. And what I notice now, at least, is just that if I don't do it, I end up stiff. It's harder to move around. It's harder to walk upstairs. And I do work out a lot, which means my body's sore and I'm stiff. So those are two major issues. Yet when I actually stretch consistently or do yoga or some form of it, I then feel the flexibility coming in. I'm, my body's recovering faster, so I'm not sore as long. So it's kind of a, it's like a necessity. And I can only imagine as the older I get, I'm going to have to do it more and more. Otherwise you're not gonna be able to get me out of bed. <laughs> well, that and combine it with the muscle rub too. That'll help Ooh. with the recovery process. <laughs> yes. I, I just need like a muscle tank, just a tank, just a tank <laughs> of the, of the MJ relief. Just, you know, maybe one of those, uh, was it those hyper, no, not the hyperbaric chambers. Uh, what is it? The sensory the deprivation. Oh, I used to do that all the my jam back with, right before COVID. Every Sunday, I would do an Ashtanga full primary series, 90 minutes, and then an hour of sensory deprivation. And that was the best week reset. And it was oh my, like my entrepreneurial savior. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's got to be amazing. I don't know if I could. I, I haven't actually done the sen sensory deprivation uh, tanks. So oh, it's that great. one, I don't know. My it's mind. So good. It's so is good. it good? Well, my my worry is just my mind just spinning circles in there, you know, and not, not being able to calm it down. However, I guess that's the entire goal of it, right. Is to, to calm down and soothe the mind. Do you, do you, have you two uh, medicated at all and gone into one of those? You know, maybe always, maybe always. Oh, is, that, is that like the, always. that's like the suggested way to do it. I think that only if you are comfortable with medicating and you're comfortable being high in dark conditions, <laughs> I, it really is up to the user. I'm a seasoned uh, consumer now. And I took on to the sensory deprivation tanks quite well I, through the yoga practice because it is really like a more concentrated meditation um, for me. But at least that was my, my connection of that and really blanking out the brain. So my favorite was some Delta 8 products that I would take in. I like Delta 8 because it's a little bit of the CBD and THC effect mm -hmm. for me. So I'm a little high, but it's more of a body relax. And that's also been my go-to uh, for during yoga. Um, but Joanna and I did a podcast at my yoga studio, um, maybe about a year and a half, year and a half ago. You have um, your own yoga because studio? Because of, no, at, no, 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 no. At the yoga studio that, sorry, it came out wrong. The yoga studio that I, I practiced in, in San okay. Francisco. Um, that studio was very, uh, open to cannabis use. There's a back, um, like an awesome back 
area um, outside of, of the main classroom where we would we would medicate before class. And it was it wasn't advertised as a ganja yoga class or anything, but it was if you're into it, go for it. And and a lot of the teachers did or do. And, and so we we kind of talked about that journey and and the incorporation of, of cannabis and yoga and how it's how it's helped a lot. Um, and there's a lot of different uh, schools of thought and avenues. There's a lot of different yoga styles. Um, so it, it, it's a matter of what you take, um, when you take it, why you're taking it, and what you take when combined with the type of yoga class that you want to take. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think it, it does make it totally makes sense to me at least. I mean, I, I've just noticed what what I prefer and and also yeah. what's best for my body. Having not been someone who, let's say, grew up you know smoking or using cannabis, it wasn't till my till my adult years that I needed it for for pain management um, that I really kind of got into it. So I have. I'd say I'm not as comfortable as, as, um, as most, as far as like, whenever I do have, uh, cannabinoids, I, I want to be at least not anything that's going to alter my mind, anything that's psychoactive. I do not like being in public spaces. Um, so however, a yoga class, yeah. I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily consider that the same as like a public space. What I mean is like, I don't want to be in a bar. I don't want to be, yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily, I'm not the one to be at a party and, and, uh, and ultimately be high because I just don't like that feeling for me. I get quiet. I get creative. However, being in a, yeah. a yoga class, I mean, I could see enjoying that just because you don't really talk to people in a yoga class. So you're kind of just there in your own, in your own head, doing your own, you know, meditation in a sense all of what you're saying lends to why it's so important to keep like a dosage tracker because you're like, Oh, this weed, this cannabis, this, you know, edible, whatever was great for this, or it wasn't great for that because yeah, you know, I think what I would consume before a meditation, you know, when you're wanting to like be in your body and not have your mind going a thousand miles an hour, that's the same kind of, weed I would want to have before I got into a deprivation tank, which is probably quite different than what I would want before I did yoga. And mm -hmm. so I, and I think that's the beautiful part about understanding cannabis in, um, in a more sophisticated way, because you can completely dial in every experience based on your set and setting and what you want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And the, honestly, the, the combinations of it too, with like, say the entourage type effect or the terpenes and in, in the cannabis, um, it's kind of endless. I mean, as far as what the possibilities are for how it can affect you, but obviously tracking it and understanding, Hey, this product that's high in, in this type of terpene and this formulation does this to me. So I know how I'm going to respond to it. And this is actually this is an extremely important uh, point there, Joanna, and that's there's a whole generation of soon to be uh, patients slash consumers of cannabis, you know, let's say my parents' generation, right? That at least my parents didn't participate in anything um, cannabis related, even in the 70s. But now, you know, that generation or certain people, they're getting into it. But at the same time, without that education side, and understanding it, they're going to have a 
I mean, they, they could very easily have a very terrible experience, be turned off to it and then head right back to some of the other, um, you know, let's say less desirable drugs that, that are worse for the body, like alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that, that's just something I've always, I've always worried about. And then I, I get so many individuals and I'm not an expert by any means of any of this. Um, but I do have, you know, a certain level of experience with it. So I get so many individuals coming to me all the time, asking me about what they should do for this, what they should do for that, how much they should take here. And, and definitely, and then I also get the, I also get the opposite of people that are doing things or, or say drinking way too much. And I just let them know, Hey, you, you would feel way better if you started to cut down that drinking and replaced it with this. And they're like, no, I tried that one time, tried it at a party. And I'm like, first off, you're at a party. You don't know what you had and you're already drinking. Like <laughs> those are, those are all just setting it up for failure, for disaster, um, because you're not going to have a good experience if you not only have no idea how it's going to affect you, but then you're, you don't know how much you're having and you're in some random place. You know, you need to be in a good place. You need to have something that you know exactly what it is and then start low, go slow, you know, but I find a lot of people don't, don't do that in the beginning, especially, especially there's the friends, there's the friends that are like, Hey, take this bong rip. (laughs) (laughs) And you're, and it's like, wait, that's the first person. That's the first time that person's ever smoked. And you just took a bong rip. (laughs) What is, what is going on here? (laughs) These are all true stories. Yes. And, (laughs) and, you know, that's one of the things I tell people, there's three keys to having a positive experience with cannabis you know, it's mindfulness, microdosing, and your willingness to experiment. And then that puts the onus on them. They're in charge. Like I can introduce you to something, but you have to be thoughtful going through those steps because there's been way too many times where someone has a bad experience and then they turn around and it's my fault because I was the person that introduced them to it. So now, you know, we have to have that conversation. You know, where (laughs) are you? Don't, you know, don't try it when you're out in public and you've never done it before. Like be somewhere safe where you feel comfortable, have somebody that you trust that's with you. You know, all of these things really matter. I love, I love that you're saying exactly that after you, you gave Monica that, that experience. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, when you know better, you do better. And I became a cannabis lifestyle guide because of it. Yes, that you, was you, back in 2000. No, no, that was back when you were learning. <laughs> you didn't you didn't know enough back then and you were you were learning and now you know better. Everybody make we all make mistakes. <laughs> That's funny. Uh so so I got a question. Um shifting gears just slightly again here. Uh Joanna, let's talk about casually baked and you know where that comes into the mix here. Because obviously that's the the education, lifestyle, um, you know, brand podcast. YouTube show, um, YouTube channel that you've been building and growing. And that that's really where you've started to kind of develop this experience. And then that's also, you know, what's kind of springboarded you into the creation of these products as well. So let's talk a bit about what you're doing with that and then where that plays in to the mix here. Well, when I got here as someone who grew up in Texas and then had been living in another country, you get to California And everyone here is in their own little bubble and they don't recognize that we need to be talking to people outside of the cannabis bubble. It's like, you know, everybody's just in an echo chamber. And so for me, there was a very um, 
big importance on talking out, talking to people who are curious. I call them can of curious and people that want to perhaps onboard into the culture. And I wanted to be a responsible voice for that. And, you know, I'm somebody that's consumes cannabis literally all day long, but I don't look like that person. And I felt like that was a benefit to be somebody that looks like the girl next door, but is, you know, a stoner. But, you know, the fact that stoner has such a stigma, that was where casually baked came in, you know, the art of enjoying a functional high, you know, being casually baked, that to me was something that was more palatable to the general population. So being able to create a platform where I could entertain while educating and and give people talking points, like if we want to normalize a culture, people need to know how to talk about it and they need to know how to talk about it at home with their families, but then in their communities, you know, at the city council meetings, say. So, you know, I feel like I give people the tools to feel empowered to not only use cannabis, but to be a cannabis Sherpa in their communities. And, you know, by spending this time building the brand, you know, Monica and I have had this MJ relief thing going on and, you know, we're developing other products for my Scentsy skin and scalp. And for me, the whole time I'm like, casually baked is going to be my launching pad for this stuff. So it's been something that was a slow grow, but from the very beginning, I had, you know, the big picture plan already in my head. Very cool. So what you mentioned as far as being a steward and saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm the girl next door. I'm a stoner, but I don't look like the, you know, classic stoner that, that people would have thought that's a, that's a great point. I mean, similar to what, similar to my position, right. Where it's like, okay, I got tons of friends that call me a stoner. Like I, I just embrace them. Like, Hey, look, you can call me a stoner all you want. I'm still going to be up at 5am crushing it in the gym and highly motivated to do everything I'm doing. So I don't care if you call me a stoner, it doesn't matter to me because they're everybody's perception of the stoner is that, you know, a person who's couch locked, who's not doing anything, but playing video games and eating potato chips all day which that's just not the reality. I mean, the vast majority of the people that I speak with, with the hemp show or on these deep dive conversations, not only smoke on a daily or medicate on a daily basis, um, but they are CEOs, entrepreneurs, you know, highly motivated people that use this as a, as a tool for managing their body and also managing their mind. And then they crush it. So I'm, completely, completely there with you. And then, uh, I'd actually just, sorry, it reminded me of a quick story. <laughs> sorry, it started to take over. I think I'm, a, I, I don't know if I told you this one already, but so you're from Texas, right? And so I was born in Texas, not necessarily f- from Texas in a sense. Cause I, I mean, I think I was one, one or two when my parents moved. Um, but I was born in Houston. I went back to, this was about I'm going to say like three or four years ago, I went to a, to a wedding in Texas from some friends that live in Texas and all their friends are Texans. And I I get to this um, wedding and it's, it was hilarious because I'm the unspoken weed guy, which is just such a weird, it's just a weird thing for me to be because I not something I've ever been. Right. And then every single person at that wedding knew that. 
but nobody <laughs> talked to each other about it. They had all almost like almost every person in the wedding had at some point come up to me to talk personally about their experiences with, with cannabis and, or like asking me questions, you know, super curious. And it was just so funny because it was, I'm talking like, I'm talking like the dad of the of the bride and the dad of the groom and the parents and the families and the brothers and sisters. And afterwards, I just was telling everybody, I'm like, you don't understand. That's all the entire wedding was talking to me about was was weed and their experiences. However, if someone else came around, it was like crickets. These weren't big groups. It was me individually. Then like someone's like, oh, did they hear us? Like, you don't understand. I was just, I just had a conversation with that guy and he told me all about how he was smoking yesterday. (laughs) Yes. And this is what makes me want to shake the shit out of everybody. Because I'm like, if you can't talk about these things in your community, you know, you might as well wish in one hand shit in the other and see which one fills up the fastest. Like your state's not going to legalize if you can't talk about it. It's right. so ridiculous. Yeah. Right. And, and just think about, I mean, I, I think about this one all the time, the division that we have in this country and how much that, that, you know, could start to, we could start to mend those wounds and, and bridge that divide. Because if you smoke a joint with someone around a fire, I'm sorry, but you're not going to fight with that person. <laughs> like oh, yeah. you're going to have a blast. <laughs> uh, I think I've, I've, I've heard the, like, if you, uh, if you just got everybody high, it would end all wars. I mean, it's probably, I've Probably seen a meme. True. Yeah, I've seen yeah, a meme like around. that. Or instead of like all of the chemtrails, if they just, you know, blasted cannabis smoke out <laughs> across the land, that might change things. Right. I mean, we could <laughs> we could get a, a QAnoner and an Antifa, you know, full on socialist, whatever. We get them together and they, they're going to come out the best of friends. Right. Hotbox <laughs> hot them in the same room, put on some <laughs> cartoons, give them some munchies. <laughs> Well, I mean, we're I'm right, willing to, to try anything at this point. <laughs> well, I guess I just got back into that 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 stoner perception. <laughs> throw them, throw them in a room, get them hot box, give them some cartoons and some munchies. <laughs> so what's uh so what's going on the latest with with casually baked? And then um, you know, where are you where are you looking to take it in the near future? Well, right now I am I just got my first annual advertiser with the podcast. So I will continue doing weekly shows through the year. Um, Starting next year, I'm probably going to go to an every other week format um, just because I need a break. I've been doing this for five years. What are you at right now? Is it, is it once a week? Um, Once a week. Yes. Once a week. And in May, that will be my fifth anniversary. And and how long, and how long are those, um, those episodes? If I'm doing a rant and it's only me, it might be 15, 20 minutes. But if it's a interview format, they're typically 45 minutes to an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Um, I, but the one thing that I'm really focusing on right now is getting back in person with people. And so I have access to a place in the wine and weed country. And so I am inviting people to allow me to be their host and cannabis lifestyle guide in the flesh, whether or not that's someone wanting to make connections in the industry uh, or somebody that just wants to see what it looks like to be on a working cannabis farm, to see what it's like um, for people that actually live in Northern California and just live the lifestyle and grow their own cannabis and their own fruits and vegetables. And, you know, just giving people a taste of what life is like here. And, you know, people that are interested in that wine, weed, wellness, experience. Um, Monica and I have uh, talked about doing fun little 
um, getaways where we also incorporate the yoga and the meditation piece and all of that kind of stuff. So I am more interested right now in just getting back face to face with people like, you know, just I'm over the digital world and, and anybody that's brave enough to, you know, get on an airplane and come out to California, I'm inviting them to come see me. Yeah, very cool. And, and you and I, you know, we've talked about kind of doing some things together um, on the in the in-person side, which we'll 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 dive into that, um, you know, another conversation. And actually, get that stuff going. But I'm completely with you. I'm, you know, I I get time. I I wouldn't say it's weird. I guess I'm I'm kind of like an introverted extrovert. Like I could sit at my computer all day working, building, creating and for weeks on end, but then you put me in a room with people and my energy is just skyrockets. So I'm totally there with you. Got to get back in person. Um, you know, these are great, but imagine if we were around a table and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, sharing a blunt. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm also working on, um, my scalp situation has been a thing. And so Monica and I've, we're a couple of rounds into a, a scalp serum, Um, but I'm trying to, you know, figure out all of my issues, which is, you know, just R and D for, um, the next MJ skin products. Now you mentioned scalp. What about, uh, what about anti-hair loss? Monica? I'm losing (laughs) it, Monica. Monica, I've only got, I maybe got three or four more years left until, until this head's (laughs) going to be bald. Come on, Monica. It's something we're, we've looked into. Uh, I mean, it's uh, the way it affects men is very different. The way it affects women. <laughs> so that that's with just in the efforts, we focus more on the women population, but I can tell you what we've uncovered on the, on the men's side and, and some recommendations there, but yeah, there's, there's a serious need to support women in, in that, in that field. The majority of them are targeted over like sort of the loss in testosterone that occurs with men, but yeah, we don't have that issue with uh, women. It's a whole the, other pathway. Yeah. I, I Googled like I Googled hair loss, you know, this or that creams. And now I get nothing but advertisements for it. Mm. You know I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm going to be like, a, I'm going to be like a hairless rat soon. Just, just wait, <laughs> especially because of how much Google and all these ads that are targeted at me, make me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- we've been on, we've been on for, you know, well over an hour, you know, it's, it's definitely, thank you. Thank you ladies for being here. We want to kind of wrap things up a bit, but I do have one, one last question. Um, and this one's for, for both of you in combination or individually, however you'd like to take it, but what, what gets you excited for the future? Um, doesn't have to be the cannabis or doesn't have to be the hemp slash cannabis space can be anything, but obviously if it's, if it's that, that's, that's awesome as well. But yeah, what, what gets you, what gets you ladies excited for the future? For me, for kind of the awakening of uh, your approaches to health and wellness, there's this movement away from pharmaceutics, alcohol, um, other synthetic solutions. I think the world is cannabis is part of that movement. Psychedelics also just looking at what nature can provide to, to support our health and wellness and, and, and then going a little bit more uh, deeper for, for me specifically is looking at ways um, to use the plant in, in a manner that we haven't even thought of um, beyond just the, be of course, getting high um, pain relief, inflammation, anxiety, but looking at other components of the plant that we throw away 
know, some of it's being turned into plastics right now, which also helps with the sustainability component, but there's so many compounds and so many different types of materials that we can extract and separate from this amazing plant. Um, and it's driving the kind of a next generation of research um, to really uh, more sustain, to drive more sustainability and environmental consciousness while lifting up and elevating the more natural and inherent health and wellness to which our bodies will respond uh, much easier than the side effects that you hear listed in, in these commercials that yeah. sound worse than the product itself. So you... I, I just think there's a slow, there's a slow movement and cannabis has been great with that. We're seeing that more with psychedelics, but there are a lot of other amazing properties of plants that we have yet to untap. And I think the world is starting to wake up and more serious scientists um, are starting to look and, and, and understand and consider this, this strategy as a, as a viable means to um, produce efficacious and safe medicines. Yeah. Yeah. Def I 1000% agree with everything you just said. It actually, it makes me wonder. Uh, I mean, I always think about this. It's like, okay, if there never was a prohibition, where would we be? My thought is that alcohol would be a tiny fraction and every single grocery convenience store you know, whatever would have not only THC goods in them, but, but many of the products on the shelves would have CBD and other, and other compounds in there as more of an ingredient, right? More of like a, like a salt additive, like, or mm -hmm. something along those lines um, for, for people's wellness. So what about, what about you, Joanna? Well, I'm also excited about the things Monica is talking about, but the other piece, I'll probably, I'll take it more in the hemp direction. You know, I'm a country girl from West Texas and yeah, I'm going to be fourth generation, partly running my family's ranch and business and looking at, you know, what does that next chapter look like? You know, I'm, I'm not going to be a cattle rancher. So, you know, what's happening with the hemp industry and understanding the, the benefits of using hemp as a building material and how, you know, you, the idea of hempcrete, you know, replacing traditional concrete and what that does for sustainability, what that does for water usage, you know, what that does for the, the planet in general. There's so many beautiful things outside of a wellness tool that, that hemp can do. And so it's just being able to um, be an evangelist for that. You know, I just added a weekly segment to the podcast that is the sustainability roll-up. And so every week for the rest of the year, I'm going to be talking about some interesting little niche that, you know, people need to know about. And, you know, when we know that these things are options and they go from not just being a B2B option, but being an actual option for someone who's like, I'm building a new home and I want to use hemp building materials and hemp wood. And what do you mean? I can't get access to it. Why? You know, so being able to further that conversation so that we can change the foundation of, of how we build things in this country. I mean, 50% of the waste is construction materials. You know, construction materials make up one fourth of the waste around the world, but it's 50% here in the United States. And we have legitimate options to do it differently. And so I just like to, I like to just rattle cages, Mark. 
I, I just I like to it. shake the shit out of people and make them listen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, no, that that that's great. I mean, I'm I'm totally there with you. Let's rattle some cages. Let's uh let's do what we can to to do some good. And ultimately, hemp is going to be a giant catalyst for that. You know, especially just all the different benefits that it can have. You mentioned hempcrete, hemp fibers, hemp cellulose. You know, hemp graphene type materials to to kind of replace Silicon Valley. Um, things along those lines, then not only that, all the efficacy with everything, it's like a miracle. It's crazy. It's a, it's like a miracle plant that, and the fact that it's a superfood and we've got people making like, you know, fake meat. I'm like, this is vegetable. This is an amazing vegetable protein. And why are you going into a lab and making chemical meats? Just, I just puked a little bit in my mouth. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I tried some of that stuff and I'm like, yeah, it was beyond. I will tell you that. <laughs> it was beyond something. It's my guilty pleasure. As a vegetarian, it is my guilt or pri- primarily veggie. It is my guilty pleasure to have these beyond <laughs> these chemical uh, substitutes. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a and I'm sorry, we're 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 wrapping things up here, but I'm um I'm a vegetarian, but not in the sense of like I, I'm not a vegetarian hundred percent of the time. I eat vegetarian. I'm I eat two or three meals a week that have meat in them. So for me, that's, for me, that's like sustainable. And as opposed to, cause I mean, you know how many, how, uh, how many people you speak with? They're like, I was once a vegetarian. It's like, you don't have to be all or nothing. You can be yeah. mostly vegetarian if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't, that's the other problem I find in this country is that everybody has to align in a certain box I'm like, stop making me get in a line. I can be a lot of different things. I can, you know, cannabis is not my entire life. It is a very important part of my life, but I don't want to be the token stoner in the room either. Like I'm also an entrepreneur and I'm, you know, also, a, well, I'm a lot of things. We don't have to get into <laughs> well, all say, of you, that. You, but you, yeah. you, you two ladies, you two ladies are <laughs> definitely a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of great things. <laughs> doing and doing a lot of great things um but yeah so like i said we we've been on for a a while here thank thank you two so much for for joining me um you know i really do i really do love doing this because it it helps me get to know you better it helps me to just understand you know people in the space and and talk about cool stuff absolutely and i'm so grateful to have found Monica, because you're right. What we had said earlier, like everybody can have a great idea, but you need that right team to be able to execute things. And, and so she's definitely a gem in the cannabis (laughs) space. And I am grateful to have her helping me like make MJ skin. Amazing. Every, (laughs) every Steve, every Steve jobs needs a Wozniak. Without, without Wozniak behind him doing all the, the tech stuff and you know the brainiac there, there is no Steve Jobs. <laughs> I say Joanna keeps me alive. It saved my life numerous times. <laughs> well, and, we all we, we heard about one today. <laughs> yeah. And that is that's only that that was a an, an early one, and there's been many stories since. So yeah, it's a matter of surrounding yourself with the right people that lift you up enhance, educate, slap you in the face when you need it, and then give you a hug and give you a shoulder to cry on. And, and Joanna's been all of that and um, throughout the years. And it's been amazing. Well said. I think that's the final word. All right. <laughs> bye, 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 everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.